You are listening to the Bristow Advent Christian Church Podcast. Visit us on the web at bristowacc.net. Thank you for listening. Seated in a window was a young man named Eutychus, who was seeking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on. When he was sound asleep, he fell to the ground from the third story and was picked up dead. Paul went down, threw himself on the young man, put his arms around him. Don't be alarmed, he said. He's alive. Then he went upstairs again, broke bread and ate, and after talking until daylight, he left. I texted Jerry yesterday and I said, is an hour and 45 minutes too much? Just kidding. Sort of. Let's pray. Father in heaven, as we open your word, as we listen to your message, I pray you fill this house. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Plug us into your message. Give us the word that we may understand your will, that you may be glorified. In Jesus' name I ask these things. Amen. I want to start out with chapter 1 and talk a little bit about grace and salvation. The reason we're here. Maybe. All right. I venture to say that nobody here needs to be saved. If you do, we can talk afterwards, but I know you shouldn't assume, but I'm going to assume everybody's here to glorify God, to, to praise God, to worship, and to do what we can for God's message. Paul tells us in Roman, Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Verse 10 said, there is none righteous, no, not one. We are all in need of salvation, but the gift of God is eternal life through our Savior Jesus Christ. It can't be earned. It is a free gift. You know, Jesus was crucified between two thieves, and they were hurling insults, and everybody saying, even the, the guards, he saved other people. Why can't he save himself? One of, the, one of the thieves said basically the same thing, but the other thief rebuked him. He said, we are earning our due reward because of what we've done. This man has done nothing. And then he turned to Jesus and said, remember me. Jesus said to him, I promise you this day, I will see you in paradise. The adulterer was brought to Jesus and they wanted to test him. She was caught in the act and they wanted to see what he would do. Jesus looked to the crowd because the crowd had condemned her. She was condemned to be stoned. And Jesus said, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. Then he wrote something on the ground, and slowly they walked away. When Jesus asked her, where are your accusers? She said, they have all gone. Jesus said, nor do I accuse you. But then he said, go and sin no more. I'm going to assume that from that day forward, her life changed. 
The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ. The thief on the cross was already condemned. He got what the world had to offer because of what he gave to the world. He lived in the world. But by the grace of God, he made it at the last second. I cling to that promise, the least shall be first. Thief was already condemned. The young lady, I'm going to assume that her life was changed from that point forward, that she glorified God, that she did that according to God's will. In the insurance world, we have what we call just-in-time appointments, J-I-T. Whenever you submit a life insurance or a piece of insurance on someone, you submit your appointment paperwork, and they retro that back to appoint you just before that policy is issued. The thief had, we, had what we call J-I-T salvation, just in time. He barely made it. So there's a contrast between him and the young lady. You know, when I was young, I had a friend that uh, we got into some things we probably shouldn't have got into. And he had a car wreck and died on, on the way to work one morning, had his wife and his child with him. And when I was over there visiting, her father was there, the father-in-law was there. And he said to me, you know, sometimes someone can be saved at the last second. Please help me, God. And I never thought about that. And I think he said that just for my benefit because I know after that I thought about we had never spoke about God, about Jesus. I have no idea what he believed. I know I believed, but I didn't share it with him. So I'm going to cling to the promise that he was saved, J-I-T, the least shall be first. Chapter 2 I want to call Life and Life More Abundantly. Did the thief on the cross have life more abundantly? Maybe. He had life that the world had to offer. He made things happen for himself, not necessarily the right thing, and he was punished for his sin. What about the woman? Life and life more abundantly. I'm going to assume that her life changed drastically after meeting Jesus. And from that point on, she had life and life more abundantly. When you live in the world, you get what the world has to offer. There's a lot of good in the world. There's also a very, a, a lot of bad. There are some very bad things this world has to offer. You can work hard. You can do the right thing. You can enjoy the fruits of your labor. And you can basically have a good life. It's what we call karma. The world calls it karma. The Bible calls it you reap what you sow. Good for good, bad for bad. Can you have a good life, reap what you sow, enjoy the fruits of your labor without God? Maybe. I don't think that life would be very fulfilling. It depends on what your God is, what you live for. I know a guy who's a pretty upstanding guy, does the right thing, pretty ethical, lives a good life, well off, 
He's agnostic. He does not believe in God. But in the world's eyes, he lives a pretty good life. In my eyes, his life seems very empty. I wish he knew what I knew. We talked a little bit about it, but you know it's going to take something stronger than me to get through to this guy. You live in the world, you have what the world has to offer. King Solomon calls it a chasing after the wind. He was always searching for the things that life had to offer. He did a lot of good. He did some things that weren't so good. He didn't deny himself anything, but he would have what we would probably call life and life more abundantly. Did Paul have life and life more abundantly? Saul was a very educated man. He was a man of authority. He had connection to the high priest. Paul was a man in chains, chained to a prison guard, praising God and singing hymns. Paul thought it was a privilege to suffer to serve Christ. Who had life more abundantly, Paul or Saul? Think for a minute, what is your definition of life and life more abundantly? Could be material things. Could be the things that Solomon was chasing after the wind. It could be something more deep and spiritual like what Paul had in his connection with Jesus. Think about what your definition of life and life more abundantly is. And even though we deserve the wages of sin, and the wages of sin is death, you can see on TV, I'll get you the compensation you deserve. You deserve a break today. You deserve new furniture, new car. This is what you deserve. Luckily, we're not getting what we deserve. I hear evangelists and what they call prosperity preachers talk about wealth, riches, what's around the corner, promotions, and all the good things this world has to offer. Well, I've got news for you. A lot of times they're right. When I listen to Joel Osteen and I listen to the prosperity message, I always hear him say, when you walk upright, when you're clothed with righteousness, when you are in the will of God, under that umbrella of protection, under God's will, things are going to happen. And I have to agree with that. But unfortunately, a lot of people miss that part of it. Like Jesus told the young lady, go and sin no more. I say deserve your dreams rather than just dream about things that you think you deserve. The Bible talks in numerous places about worldly riches, things that all you have to do is ask. Philippians 4.19 says, My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory Christ Jesus. Is that all your wants? Not necessarily. But all your need. 
All you have to do is ask. Following God sometimes isn't easy. I remember when I was younger, I used to think, yeah, it's going to be tough. I need to follow God, but then I have to give up everything I'm doing and stand on the street corner and proclaim the message and be like the guy that walks up and down the highway with the cross. That's not the case. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 7, stay in your situation as you're being called. Joshua followed God wholeheartedly. Moses followed God. He did what the Lord commanded for the most part. Joshua crossed over into the promised land. Most of the people from the first generation didn't make it because they rebelled against God. They went back and forth. Then they came back. Then they rebelled. It was very frustrating for Moses. Joshua and Caleb got to cross over. Joshua took possession of the land because he and his household followed God wholeheartedly. Joshua lived to be 110 years old. Moses followed God in the last part of his life wholeheartedly, for the most part. David, for the most part, followed God wholeheartedly. David would have what most people called life and life more abundantly. King Solomon as well. He called it a chasing after the wind. Then he realized it's okay to enjoy the fruits of your labor. Work hard. Praise God. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, they had what we call life and life more abundantly because of their relationship with God. When you go through Kings and Chronicles, it talks about the reigns of the good kings and the bad kings. And it's so frustrating to see the kings and go through judges and then they fell away. They did evil in the sight of the Lord. The 12 evil kings reigned collectively for about 130 years, while the 10 good kings reigned collectively for about 343 years. So there was a lot more abundance in their lives doing the right thing than there was with the bad kings who did evil in the sight of the Lord. If God is for us, who can be against us? You know, I used to go to a men's conference. We didn't have it this last year because of what was going on in the nation, but years before, it's three days of worship and praise and breakout meetings, and you get to meet some really good people. There's about 400 men that all, when they're singing in unison, uh, it's a beautiful sound. One portion of that meeting is always confessions and testimonials. And there's always a few guys that get up and, you know, they're down and out. Your, your heart just goes out to them. Woe is me. Uh, I lost my job. I've went back to drinking. I've got caught up in drugs. I was taking painkillers and I couldn't stop. And you always hear them talk about what they had to sacrifice. I was cheating on my wife. I was addicted to pornography. I got divorced. I went to work drunk or I was hung over. I lost my job. I gave away all our savings to drugs and my addictions. And you just want to grab these guys and just shake them. Where did you miss it? Where did you fall off the boat? We used to travel in the beginning. Uh, we started a business about four or five years ago, my partner and I. And we traveled to a lot of different cities in the beginning. 
and we were in Philadelphia, I believe it was, and our Uber driver was into the new roster for the Philadelphia Eagles. There was a new rookie that just got signed, just got his signing bonus, just made millions of dollars because of his gift and his athleticism, and he went out and done something stupid and lost his contract. And I forget what it was, if, if it was drugs, I don't remember what it was, but that, that driver had something very interesting to say. He said, you know, if I received a contract like that, I would hire an attorney, have him read that contract word for word, and make sure I understood every word of that contract, and I didn't do anything to sacrifice that blessing. And I'm going to say we have the same instructions. We have the same contract. Joshua followed the God wholeheartedly. So what does that mean exactly? What does following God's will, being clothed in righteousness, what does that mean? What does that mean to you? Matthew 6 tells us, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all His righteousness. Let that be your first, and all these things will be added unto you. Seek ye first. I remember 20, 30 years ago, I wanted to figure out what that meant. What does that mean to seek first God's kingdom? I remember reading Scripture and trying to find out exactly what that meant to me. And in my search, one of the things I realized was there are things that I want or need that I don't have to worry about because things just happen. One, one thing in particular, we had that very first snow of the season, and my boy, just little at the time, he needed a sled. And I went to five different stores, and they were all sold out. I couldn't find a sled. On my way home, I took a back road because I like to spin around and take corners sideways. And On my way home, there was a sled in the ditch. Couldn't believe it. I picked it up. Probably should have left. I don't know if somebody lost it. Thought about that later. But I took that home to my son. My God shall supply all your need. That was one of the things that really touched me. It made me remember. I don't have to worry about certain things. 1 Thessalonians 5, 5 through 18 tells us to pray continually. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore. Like you were saying earlier in your devotional, you can rejoice in all things you see, the sunrise, the sunset, the flowers, the, the hummingbirds. Verse 17, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So what is the will of God? In everything, give thanks. Pray without ceasing and rejoice evermore. Does that mean I need to be on my knees, have my wife bring me a sandwich so I can pray continually? 
No, that means in your heart, in your mind, you pray without ceasing. All day you are praising God. You are rejoicing in everything you see, whether it be a sunset, whether it be nature, whether it be someone that let you in because you needed to get over into the next lane. Pray without ceasing in your heart. Rejoice evermore. Hebrews 13.15 By Him, therefore, let us offer sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is, the fruit of your lips giving thanks to His name continually. So when you think about rejoice evermore, pray continually, giving thanks, does that say be part of the world and seek chasing after the wind, after the thing that the world has to offer? It's a different mindset. It's a way to seek first the kingdom of God. And if you seek, you will find. Psalm 85, 6 says, revive us. Give us a fresh start. Think about when you first met your spouse. For some of you, it was love at first sight. You saw them and boom, fireworks went off. The light went off. Every time you saw them, you were so excited. You couldn't wait to see them again. You couldn't wait to get that phone call, that text. You couldn't wait to get that letter in the mail. Or for some of you, you couldn't wait to get that telegraph or Morse code. You could not wait to see them again. Your heart just exploded every time you saw them. Remember when you first got saved, your first love, when you first were introduced to Jesus, to the Holy Spirit. Try to relive that excitement. It's good for your relationship to renew your vows, to relive that excitement from time to time. Is it not? It is also good to renew those same vows with the Holy Spirit. As Jerry keeps telling you, you need to plug yourself into the Spirit. Without the Spirit, you don't have the power. You've got to be plugged in. There's some ways we can do that. You have to read the Scripture. See what God's will is for your life. Pray continually in your heart. Rejoice always. Revelation 1.3 says, Blessed is the one who reads and those that hear the words of this prophecy. You don't even have to read it. I don't like to read. But you can hear the words of this prophecy. I start my day with a Bible app. There is an app that one of the programs is the Bible in one year. It has a devotional, some Psalms, Old Testament, New Testament. In one year, about 30 minutes a day, you read the Bible. When we first started our partnership and started our business, I told my partner, we need to do this daily. We need to make sure we're on the same wavelength, that we are thinking the same things, that we keep our integrity intact. And we did that a couple years in a row. Now I'm doing that with my son and my son and I. You can keep track of each other. Uh, we do that daily. Capture every thought to the obedience of Christ. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6. 
For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. I want to read a different version of that. First Corinthians 10, 3 through 6. I'm sorry, that was 2 Corinthians. That one didn't look right. Luckily, I had a marker. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have the divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. You have to have that readiness of God's word in your heart. Capture every thought. That's tough to do, I'm here to tell you. But as we try, as we strive for perfection, we accept excellence. Psalm 84:11 For the Lord God is a sun and shield and the Lord will give grace and glory no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly wilt thou revive us again that the people may rejoice in thee show mercy o lord grant us thy salvation verse 6 and 7 be merciful unto me, O Lord, for I cry unto thee daily. Psalm 86, 3. Teach me thy way, O Lord. I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. I will praise thee, O Lord my God, with all my heart. I will glorify thy name forevermore. I think that would be a good path to following God wholeheartedly. Here's some things we can do. Random acts of kindness. Um, here recently I put a can of peanuts in my mailbox for the mailman. They put the mail around it and left them there. I guess I should have put a note. They didn't know it was for them. I left a sack on the trash can for the trash man that had some water, donuts, and peanuts. My wife brought that in to me, thought I had left it but I try. I get credit. One of the things I do is I buy gift cards from McDonald's. And 
when I see people standing on the corner, I don't really like to give them money. I mean, I, maybe that's wrong. I see them smoking. I, eh. But one thing I do do is this will buy your lunch. If you see somebody eating or drinking alone, dining alone, not drinking alone, pay for dinner. Another thing I like to do that a lot of you I think already do, I heard you mention, is I have a prayer list. You meet people throughout the day, throughout the week. You hear people on the news, people needing prayer. Just simply write their name down in a small book. And every morning when you have your devotional, God, I pray and I lift up those on the prayer list. You know their names. You know their needs. You know their afflictions. May you lay your healing hand upon them. Some of you are in this prayer list. Start a prayer list and pray for everyone daily. You don't have to mention all their names. Just add their name to the list. Things that you can do for people that they don't even know that are being blessed all at once because somebody they didn't know is praying for them. You'll probably be introduced in the New Jerusalem. You know, I look forward to the day that I get to shake the hand of the thief on the cross. He's probably going to get a lot of hugs. You saved me. You gave me hope. If you practice these things, pray continually, capture every thought to the obedience of Christ. Random acts of kindness throughout the day, rejoice in all things. Renew your dedication. Renew your spirit. Ask God daily, plug me into your spirit. Fill me with your spirit that I may have the power to do that according to thy will. And if you are seeking first the kingdom of God, you will find, I promise. Or actually, I cling to the promise. Not my promise. Science tells us that anything you practice for 21 days and you do it consistently creates a habit. You have in your brain thread-like or, or web-like uh, strings and paths called neuron pathways. And you can actually see these pathways being created as you're creating new habits, as you're thinking new thoughts. If you see a thicker pathway, that's a habit. That's something that the electrical current, that your thoughts go up and down constantly, daily. We call it second nature, things I don't even have to think about because I do it without thought. I've created a habit. Do these things 21 days. Make it a commitment to pray continually, to renew your spirit, and your life will change. My guide promises that. My God promises that. Ask the Holy Spirit daily to fill your heart. Renew your devotion. Plug me in. Do you have to give up life and life what you're doing? Just sin. Just bad thoughts. Just things that don't glorify God. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 7, remain in the situation you're in when you were called. Not everybody has to go to the, pre to the street corner and preach or carry the cross up and down the highway. All you have to do is be in God's will, and he will show you what that is. And I'm going to suggest that you will have life and life more abundantly because that's not what you're living for. I want to give you a couple of challenges. First challenge, if you have a phone, is 
download you version. It's a Bible app that you can read daily, you can listen to daily. It comes in many different languages, many different Bible versions. You can do it with somebody and you can keep track of each other to make sure they are on track with you, that they are doing their daily devotion. There's a lot of good things that you may read and hear and get a different perspective that you've read a hundred times and now it takes on a different meaning. You have places that you can comment. My son actually commented just this last week for the very first time. He said, the birds, turn, 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 is just Ecclesiastes 3. Okay. <laughs> he commented. I remember here a while back, you know, my wife seems to think I have a road rage problem. I don't know. One time, I remember somebody cutting me off and my goal was to get beside them and give them the evil eye or whatever it took. When I got beside them, they turned off into the emergency room at St. Francis Hospital. I had a paradigm shift. One other time, my son comes up every Friday and we work together. Basically, I pay him to come have lunch with me. And doing the Bible study together and on our way to lunch, somebody does a U-turn in front of me and then gives me a gesture and I get beside them. And as they're turning off and I'm yelling, I see a little girl sitting in a car seat. I look down and say, I wish I hadn't done that. The rest of that lunch, that day was pretty silent. The next morning, the Bible study, the devotional, had something to say about that occurrence. And so I actually commented and I said, I'm sorry you had to see that. I'm sorry I did not glorify God. I'll bet that gentleman didn't know that I was a follower of Christ. You know a tree by its fruits. Gandhi, a Hindu, a statesman, we don't have the same beliefs, but he was very strong in his belief. He staged hunger strikes. Gandhi said, I like your Christ, but I don't like Christians. Christians are nothing like their Christ. I challenge you to bear the fruit to show that you are a follower of Christ. You will know a tree by its fruits. Study daily, daily. Pray continually. Rejoice continually. Capture every thought. You can start with the Bible app. My first challenge. My next challenge is talk to Jerry. Tell him you want to be put on the roster. You want to share what the Lord has shared with you and make it 21 days out so you've created a habit. Every day, you'll add to that. After the panic and the fear goes away, the light will go on. And like I say, you'll read things and see things that you've read and heard a hundred times, but they take on new meaning, and you're plugged into the Spirit. Plug into the power. Seek God. Seek the kingdom of God and all His righteousness. And you will start to experience life and life more abundantly. But put what's first, first. Let's pray. Father in heaven, 
We invite your Holy Spirit to fill our heart, to fill our soul, fill this house to give us wisdom and understanding, to know what you would have us to do, how to study your word, how to get plugged in, that we may be part of the Great Commission, that we may help touch souls, touch lives, that we may see Jesus quickly, that we may see him in the crowd, in the clouds, and say, thank you, Jesus, face to face. Be with us in all we do, that you may be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.